Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. Weekly Neurosis, episode number five. Five? Five! This is anticipation. And this that week, is the, the word of the week. The word of the week. You haven't just, just the, the episode was just nothing. I don't think I could rave on the word anticipation for You haven't hour. just been anticipating this episode of Weekly Neurosis. That's the theme of the episode. Is anticipation. It's the word we're going to be focusing on this week. Um, like I said, Weekly Neurosis. It, this week we're going to talk about um, two things, both very well anticipated. One of them, or maybe much. more for more so for us. I'd say, yeah, I'd say <laughs> one is is us. The other is anticipated by the entire world. Yeah, galaxy, um, the whole galaxy. galaxy. Aliens are like, where the fuck is this movie? <laughs> uh, but Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. We're going to review that. The album is the Purple Album by Baroness. Another color theme. And uh, our beer of the week that unfortunately we're not drinking because I'm anticipating being healthy again. I have a bit of a cold. This Space Ghost by Central Waters. You've had it before. I haven't. Uh, by Central Waters Brewing in Amherst, Wisconsin. Yes, I have had this before. And yeah, while we're not drinking it, I can tell everybody listening that it is an Imperial Stout brewed with chili peppers. And it's one of the few beers I've had brewed with chili peppers where I actually think that the peppers matter. Okay. This actually leaves a nice spice in, in your mouth, and since it is an imperial stout, it's heavy. It's got a nice full body to it, and it is quite strong. It's about 13%. I had a interesting evening in the last year where I drank one of these without knowing it was that much, and, as well as a couple other beers, and it was pretty interesting. But a strong beer, potent beer, called Space Ghost, kind of kind of fits in with Star Wars. Uh, in the space. And, and Nate's anticipating getting to finally drink this yeah, eventually. Yeah, no, it's not even. It's not even. It's a new new hit for me on Untapped. But yeah, one thing about the the chili pepper pepper beers is that I had I've had really good ones like uh, Sculpin Habanero, and then also I've had really bad ones like I had one from Three Sheeps. Okay. It was a habanero, and it tasted like I was actually eating a habanero pepper, and oh, it boy. was just it was like my mouth was on fire. This one made me, you know, maybe. I'm pretty, I have a pretty high resistance for spiciness, um, so maybe with that said, maybe it is pretty powerful in, this, in the pepper flavor since I could definitely taste it, so maybe that's something to keep in mind, but uh, I thought it was really good. I, I kind of like the experiment, I, I appreciate the experimental style with peppers and all kinds of weird stuff, so. Yeah, you're making beer with all sorts of stuff, but on to the definition, so anticipation, once again, uh, this week is a noun. It's the action of anticipating something, expectation, or prediction. So uh, what, what does anticipation mean to you, Ethan? It, it's hard to define this word without using the word to anticipate. That's why they have it in the definition. I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So when I think of anticipation, it's the feeling of really, really looking forward to something that hasn't come to pass, but not even necessarily looking forward to something. It's literally looking forward at something and thinking about how it might go down, whether it's good or bad. It can be applied to pretty much anything in our lives. 
Yeah, I agreed. And for me, I'm a like an instant gratification person. For the most part, I understand you need to wait for certain things. I actually think anticipation kind of sucks yeah. in a way. Like you build up excitement and then when it happens, it's cool. But in the reality, you have to like wait all that time. And sometimes people like, I know with Star Wars Episode Seven, you were hearing about like critics seeing it. <coughs> and I actually went and online and I like looked at how critics get into these early screenings and I was kind of like, God, you know, God damn them. Why, why do they get to go and, and do this? But, yeah, it's kind of a 50-50 a word for me, positive, negative. I don't know. Yeah I, yeah, I hear you. But I think anticipation can be half the fun. In terms of talking about something like Star Wars, the anticipation over the last year or two years for some people Insane. has been thinking about what is this going to be about? Who, who is this actor going to be in the movie? What are they going to do? Where is the story going to go? And talking about that and anticipating where it could go was half the fun for some people. But then again, anticipating something like going to the doctor, not fun. Bad news. <laughs> yeah. And the, I know the dentist is, uh, is another one. But um, yes. we, we chose this word. We, we just said it because Star Wars uh, Episode Seven. I'd say it's one of the most anticipated things uh, that's been out there for, what, the past year, maybe even two years. I think in terms even, of people waiting and knowing it was coming. Even deb debatably, maybe the most anticipated movie ever made. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about it later, but looking at the box office numbers, uh, I think that kind of validates that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And huge communities of you know bloggers and podcasts like this one for years have been talking about this. Um, actually, one desperate fan even was was so desperate and obviously filled with anticipation. He flew his drone over the filming studio area, and for some reason they had no way to stop it. Really? So he got all these like cool images of like the spaceships. They're on Google right now. I sold them to. I uh, saw the movie. I don't need that. Yeah, and that's you know, <laughs> and then at the end of the day, what does that prove? But, yeah. But yeah, overall, you know, it's a fifty-fifty thing. But um, next, some some really obviously. Uh, high priority news is that Star Wars is obviously absolutely dominating, even still two weeks later, like dominating the headlines left and right from, you know, the actors to the, the box office numbers to just, you know, news reporting, everything. It is absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And um, another thing that's starting to, I would assume in April is going to be everywhere is Game of Thrones season six, the teaser trailer, which basically said absolutely nothing about what the season's about. Which is good. That's good. That's very, very good. And I liked that. Um, was released, and now the buzz has started to gain around that show. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of Game of Thrones. I'm not, maybe not quite as crazy about it as some people are, but uh, it's definitely the kind of show, especially in this next season, moving into where it's kind of uncharted territory for Game of Thrones fans, where this is the first season that... Is premiering where the book hasn't been released yet I believe maybe the release I would have to look into this I don't know specifically but the release of the book is coinciding closely with this new season so uh, there's a lot of questions a lot of anticipation about it and there will be a lot of buzz about where it goes especially yeah. seeing how season five ended major yeah I think we can't we still again we're spoiler free so I know some yes. people are still on season four of course um, but another big thing that came out is that um, the producers are looking at uh, decreasing the sexual violence on the show, which was a big thing. It got a lot of headlines. Uh, producer James uh, Podeswa, I would assume it's it's uh, pronounced, said, it is important that the producers not self-censor. Um, the show depicts a brutal world where horrible things happen. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. And I don't think that, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think sexual violence really is the big driver of the whole, I think it's a piece, it's not the whole 
kit and caboodle. Yeah, it's just a big, you know, it's a touchy subject. So when it's portrayed in, in a, you know, a t completely fictional made-up world like Westeros and Game of Thrones, it, it maybe raises the red flags a little bit more than if it were in a more realistic movie or something. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, whenever I watch, when I, I mean, I've seen all of it again, and I never get the sense that they're doing all of this stuff just to get to the sexually explicit parts. It's just a part of the story, and it makes you dislike certain characters who you should dislike even more. It's certainly not glorifying it. No, yeah, and I agree. And um, like like he said, too, it's a, it was a brutal world back then. You know, and, back then. Well, then back then, but it's predict, you know, in that time <laughs> yeah, frame, I got you. the no, medieval, got you. you know, time frame. It was bad, weird, and like nasty stuff happened, and that's that's what they're depicting. But I, I agree with uh, uh, Mr. James here that, you know, they shouldn't self-censor, just let the, the show flow as it is. But at the same time, one of, I guess one of the issues I do have with Game of Thrones is that I feel like it is sometimes explicit a little bit above where it really needs to to make mm -hmm. the point where it's already shocking enough and then it'll kind of keep going or showing something. I think maybe toning it down and focusing more on the story would be probably okay if that's what they they mean by this statement. Yeah. Because I do think Game of Thrones, it kind of spins its wheels in terms of m moving its uh, story forward. So maybe this is their way of saying, you know, maybe this next season might not be as violent as, as some of you are used to, but we're going to do something different. So yeah. I'm up for that, too. Yeah, and I absolutely think they could make an entire season without, and maybe not without, but, you know, I, I think they definitely have a story. I think a lot of this circles around the, not to give anything away again, but the, uh, the, the rape scene in, sure. in last season was highly, highly, highly controversial. Mm -hmm. and I think people are kind of have a still, this kind of a sour taste in their mouth and want to you know, get, maybe see less of that. But like you said, it's a great show. They'll they'll move on. But yeah. there's going to be a lot, um, presumably in February and March. That's when you're going to see the build up to season um, season six. Well, anyways, uh, what you're going to be hearing uh, in between the breaks here is the album uh, music from the album of the week, the Purple Album by Baroness. Um, once again, we are hypothetically because this is Radio World drinking <laughs> Space Ghost by Central Waters, and next up we're going to be reviewing Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Uh, tag on this one, Ethan, please chime in. Partially spoiler-free. Part, yeah, part, I mean, okay, here's the thing. We're not going to go into any in-depth spoilers here, but in order to really talk about what we think of the movie, we, we will probably jump into the story, some of the elements. So if you were like me going into this and you didn't want to know anything about the story, I wouldn't listen. But at the same time, if you haven't seen it by now, chances are you're not a diehard. And I don't think we'll spoil anything major talking about this at all. But we do, we will have some thoughts uh, on the positive and maybe some of the negative as well. And it does pertain a little bit to the story, I think. So just so you're aware, there might be some plot points in here. And if you don't want to hear that, uh, you know, skip to the music section. Yep. <laughs> skip right on over. But anyways, Weekly Neurosis will be right back.
So anyways, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back into Weekly Neurosis. Um, this week, the movie of the week is Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So the plot is that three decades after the defeat of the Galactic Empire, a new threat arises. The First Order attempts to rule the galaxy, and only a ragtag group of heroes can stop them, along with the help of the Resistance. So the cast is, of course, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, and John Boyega. Those are the headliners. Uh, for the full cast, of course, you can find that at imdb.com. And, um, and also, too, they, I just thought that the IMDb, their homepage for Star Wars, was awesome. It yeah. had its own little like theme. There's yeah. like, lightsabers going around. They've been doing that with some of the bigger releases lately. It's kind of cool. It like made my day. But uh, the crew, of course, um, is directed by the mad genius J.J. Abrams, written by Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Uh, Abrams, and Michael Arndt. Uh, music by John Williams, cinematography by Dan Mindell. Um, and the characters were made by, of course, another mad genius, George Lucas himself. Um, for the locations, uh, the primary shooting occurred in Pinewood Studios in Buckinghamshire, England. Pre-production shooting occurred in Iceland, which is awesome. Uh, primary filming also took place at the Skellig Michael Island off of the coast of County Kerry in Ireland. Uh, and it was also filmed at the Royal Air Force Greenham Common in Berkshire, uh, which was actually near the Pinewood Studios. Hmm. Um, and principal photography ended in November 2014. Yeah. Ethan, you'd been waiting for this for <laughs> weeks. I think on our second or third episode, this was your obsession. So give me, give me your take. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it countless times over the last couple of weeks. I was pumped for this, but I was trying to be level-headed. You go into a movie thinking it's going to be the best thing ever. It's probably not going to be. Mm -hmm. So I was excited going into this. Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you at this point what I was anticipating, but I can tell you this, that whatever it was, it lived up to my expectations and then some because I absolutely loved this movie, and it feels so good to know that any of the nagging suspicions that I had that this was going to be a letdown or go into kind of an odd direction. Uh, having seen the movie and knowing that they absolutely nailed the look of the movie, they introduced uh, a lot of great new characters uh, while blending in a lot of the old characters and old elements from the older movies as kind of a, a jumping off ground to test these new characters in and it was funny. Uh, it was it was action packed. Uh, I really loved this movie. I had a I've seen it twice already. I'm certainly going to see it again. I, I just can't think of very many movies, th these action adventure movies that just are so fast paced and just so constantly throwing stuff at you and and almost all of those things they're throwing at you work. Mm -hmm. So I really love this movie. Although I do have a couple of minor quims with it, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. And I was in the exact same boat. I, unlike you, I think I went in with higher expectations because I had been hearing the buzz. Sure. You know, I tried to ignore it. I tried to not go on Twitter or Facebook or anything, but even still, it kind of followed me. But I agree with you with how high the expectation was. They did a great job. And also, too, of meshing. It felt like part of the story is what I'm going to get at versus making it super complex. And they, they mm -hmm. brought in nostalgic elements in a way that, you know, both old and new school fans could kind of mesh that together and it was it was again i was i was simply 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 blown. right from the beginning the, the the look of the movie and of course uh, john williams's score which honestly the first time i saw this movie his score didn't jump out at me and i was a little bit disappointed by it because john williams's music is so iconic with these movies 
but I think I had to kind of step back and tell myself, well, wait a minute, I've seen Star Wars, the original trilogy, a thousand times. Of course I know all the music. And I've only seen this twice. And having listened to the soundtrack, I do think it is pretty good. So that was another kind of minor complaint that's starting to wane already. But just from the beginning of this thing, it's it's just so entertaining. It is. And they, they develop the characters so well. I mean, and, and again, not spoiling anything, but we obviously, this is one of three episodes, we have a long way to go with a lot of these characters. Yeah. But I left that movie feeling like I know, you know, all these characters very well. And even the new ones that they introduced. I think especially the new ones they introduced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was a, a concern I think I, I was afraid to admit going into this that they, I mean, we all knew there was going to be new characters who went beyond the, you know, the people we all knew from the originals. Um, but I was afraid that we weren't really going to kind of feel that camaraderie or that adventure that we had after seeing uh, just A New Hope, the original Star Wars movie, uh, back whenever, however old I was or how old, however old anybody was when they saw that. And uh, luckily I was wrong because none of these characters feel like ripoffs or copycats. They're all unique characters and there's lots of blanks yet to be filled in. Certainly, a, a lot of questions that have me excited for the next one. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite character in this, of, of the new characters? Of the Let's... new characters, and this may sound odd, but BB-8, okay. the robot. I don't know, there's something about... His role in the whole thing, I was just kind of like related to him. I'm so obsessed with, with that's not my obsession, but <laughs> I kind of want like a little BB-8 model to put on like my desk at work because he just something about him. He was really relatable. Yeah, kind of reminded me of my dog a little bit. If that's if that makes any sense, like kind of yeah. my buddy kind of following me along. He stole the show. Like almost every scene he was in, he was funny. But in, in, again, he he was another robot character like R2D2 in the original movies, but he didn't feel like a hacky ripoff. It was a new character who, while the plot elements were similar to how R2D2 is used, this robot has its own personality, does its own unique things, and I think it was a great addition here. Weird question. Do you think, or at least from your opinion, and again, it's a robot, so it's kind of like unisexual, it's not like a male, but did you get like the impression that it was a boy or a girl? Kind of a girl. Really? Yeah. Because apparently, I kind of got the boy, and I read this really long article about the guy that created the uh, animatronics behind him. Okay. And how they did this, like, careful research of, like, how, if it was going to be, kind of have more girl, like, tones to it, or boy, and they just went with, like, this regular flow. But there's, like, a, a, a point at the, towards the very end, um, where he says, there was apparently split, where instead of saying, like, Go, go on girl or go on buddy and they ended up going with go on buddy I think it's unisexual I don't think he's oh, right. I, I don't, don't think, think he's like actually uh... I guess I just got the sense that you see the, the you see BB-8 tie up with with Ray who's a female character mm -hmm. uh, I guess you see BB-8 kind of tag along with her for the first half of the movie I don't know I guess yeah eh, maybe could go either way there's like a ton of like blogs and articles about that and I was like I can't believe that, that that's like important but hmm. what about you who's your favorite character Ray for sure oh, yeah she's the I mean ultimately the new hero here and I love the, how they they introduced her as this the this lonely kind of patiently waiting you know young woman on this this desert planet and we don't really know a whole lot about her by the end of the movie we get some hints that maybe she there's more to her than we think. We won't. Mm -hmm. I won't spoil anything, and that was very interesting. I think there will be a lot of debate, uh, but uh, among fans for until the next movie about that. But I just thought she was funny. She was truly heroic. She was powerful. They developed her in a way where 
I was along for the ride and I, I, she was believable. She interacted with, with Finn, uh, the other, ultimately the lead of the movie. They interacted really well. I just thought, and she's adorable, let's be real. She's attractive. Mm -hmm. Daisy Ridley. Yeah. She's hot. But uh, she, I, she was my favorite character. I thought she was fantastic. And kind of to speak on the, the whole Ray character, I, I honestly think we barely have, like, in my opinion, like maybe a half page of content of who this person actually is. Right. I think they, that's another, one reason I just loved it is you don't really know who she is. She comes from this, like, I thought it was absolutely depressing. Her life was clearly depressing. You know, mm -hmm. when she was on this, this other desert planet, she has just a miserable life. That's all we really know is that she kind of came from that and she's kind of tagging along. And then right at, at the end, we discover, I'd say the last 20 minutes, it's kind of the biggest discovery phase. Right, and in that way, she reminded me most of another new character in here, the, the villain, for all, all, all intent and purposes, uh, Kylo Ren, mm -hmm. um, who, very similarly to Rey, we maybe get a little bit more about who this guy is, but we still maybe have 20% of the picture. And, and one thing I think that's been kind of interesting hearing people talk about these new characters with this new movie is some people are kind of, I think, mixing up a plot hole for... Uh, a cliffhanger or uh, some sort of detail missing to keep you coming back for more and I think some of the questions about how these some of these characters are so powerful or in Kylo Ren's case why is he so evil even though he seems to have had somewhat of an okay upbringing for the most part I think it's maybe easy to write off some of these characters but we have so little with them that we just don't know and I feel like that really has opened up a good door uh, in this in this series and really makes me excited for this new trilogy. Yeah, and in my opinion, this movie did what it had to do, which was A, be an amazing film for everyone that had been waiting and anticipating for you know, close to a decade. And at the same time, though, they had to build up enough stuff to make episode two and three interesting. And I think they did that. In Episodes that eight and nine. Eight and nine. Well, this is so hard to keep track of. <laughs> I can't count hardly as it is, let alone. But yeah. no, it's and I think they they did such a good job, and it yeah, I was just again really loved it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting even looking at the structure and the plot in this movie. Well, first of all, it's so fast paced, it's ridiculous. I think of all seven Star Wars movies, it's the most quickly paced. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I I think is worth mentioning is that it is in a lot of ways similar to the very first Star Wars movie. A New Hope in terms of having a robot character uh, holding a piece of important information and having a main character on a desert planet and there being basically another Death Star type thing. I think some people don't like those similarities, but I honestly think that this movie, especially in the last third, does more than enough new that we really see it kind of open up in terms of what could happen next. But also that this is a series that has gone through so much turmoil Especially if you look at the prequels and how people responded to those, largely negative, people don't have a high opinion of them. Um, I think using similar plot beats to the original trilogy and kind of having that as a test ground for these new characters was almost the only way to do this movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, I really appreciated that and I, and I, despite its similarities to some of the other Star Wars movies, I was never bored. Mm -hmm. I was still at the edge of my seat the whole time so that means that's got to say something. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to seeing it a second and a third time and probably fourth, fifth, and sixth. But to me, and we'll go over grades later, but I have to give a 10 to J.J. Abrams for how he put this all together and for sure and made it and, and entertaining. Did you have any like qualms with the movie or any, any uh, yeah. issues? And well, and I think 
the 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 fanboy and the nerd in me and the Star Wars lover wants to shout from the rooftops that this is a 10 out of 10 the best movie of the year but I do have some issues with it some of the some of them I think will be reversed uh, as we get more explanations uh, in the next two movies and some of them are technical issues the main issue I had was uh, going back to the special effects I do think there are a couple of moments where the CGI really stands out against the the mostly practical effects in this movie, especially a character named Snoke, who is pretty much the new empire in this uh, when compared to the original trilogy. Um, he was very clearly CGI. I wasn't crazy about his character design. He kind of stood out to me, but having said that, he's barely in the movie. We don't know anything about this guy. So I think as we learn more about him and we see him more in the next couple of movies, that'll be something. And then there's a couple of just tiny shots where you know, one scene where the Millennium Falcon was crashing on a planet and drifting through snow where it kind of stood out a little bit. But uh, I guess also in terms of the pacing of the movie, while it is relentlessly fast paced, I almost think that that's almost at the detriment to this movie, where in contrast to the prequels where it's all exposition, it's all talking, it's all explaining, this is how we got here. This movie does almost none of that. It has the typical Star Wars scroll that gives us the linking information from the last movie to this one and doesn't really go back to it too much and so I have a lot of questions as to how certain things with the, the old Republic, what's up with them, I mean they talk about it and you see that in this movie but it's not fully developed, how did this new First Order come from the ashes of the Empire? So I almost felt like it it went over these things too quickly mm -hmm. but again these are things that I, I'm sure we'll see more of in the next movie so it's hard to really criticize it a whole lot, most of the criticisms Criticisms I have are pretty small. Yeah, and I was in, I was in the same boat with you with Snoke. It was just they they there's like creating question and mystery, and then there's creating flat out confusion. And I think they created a little bit of flat out confusion in the sense that they don't even in in the slightest bit preface this guy other than you know that he's this very powerful person that is right. you know all seeing. And yeah, the crash scene I remember seeing that and being kind of like ah, yeah. let's let's be you know but. Again, those are to me are, are nitpicks, but the yeah the the snow character development, right? Even if they, I hope they cover it in the next. Oh, they will. They will. Uh, they kind of have to. And I know there were like, kind of going on an side here. There have been a lot of debates on the internet about how certain characters were able to be so powerful after not having any training, and that's pretty deep nerd stuff that we won't go into here to avoid spoilers, but. Uh, I think it's just it's it's being a little hyperbolic about it. I think people forget that at least for me when I grew up with Star Wars I had access to all three movies right away. I never had any question about what was going to happen next and when the prequels came out They were prequels, so we knew where they were going to end up This is really the first time at least for me that we don't know what's going to happen next and I think too many people are too quick to assume that we should have all the answers right now so I think uh, a lot of the debate that uh, has come out of this and the anticipation of the next movie will be interesting and then to see what they actually do to me it's exciting i like not Very having much. all the answers so yep yep so if you had to rate this one to ten what would you what would you rate it this is my least favorite score to give out ever Ooh. a 9.5 out of 10 okay a 9.5 out of 10 just because there were some things i didn't like in terms of the visuals they were they were kind of nitpicky I felt like it, it kind of brushed over things a little bit too mu too quickly, especially in the final act of the movie where there's a lot of different things going on, uh, especially how some of the the, uh, the characters from the original trilogy 
were handled and where they are and end up in this movie. Some of those details seemed a little rushed, like maybe a couple things were left on the cutting room floor that could have left there. All minor de all minor complaints overall, so 9.5 out of 10 for me. Okay. For me, it was, for once, not a, not a decimal. I'd give it a flat 9. Okay. Um, just because, again, I, I think they just moved a little too quick, didn't cover some things. Um, I didn't downgrade, however, for casting. No. <laughs> Not gonna, not gonna give anything away there, but, um, but another thing that's causing a lot of controversy right now that um, we talked about off air is the compensation for the actors. It's not often you hear that being an issue, but in this case, it's pretty incredible because John Boyega and Daisy Ridley um, each received a base level four hundred fifty thousand dollars for their services. Carrie Fisher received a one point five million dollar payment, and then Harrison Ford is way up in the atmosphere. He received twenty five million dollars. <coughs> Uh, for his role, which people are saying it's unfair to women actors. It's just another example. I don't think it's any of that, but um, do, do you think, was he worth that much money? Well, if you phrase it that way, was he worth that much money? I don't know about that, but I, I certainly don't think it's it's strange that he got paid the most out of everybody from this. Uh, I mean, he's Harrison Ford. He's yeah. Han Solo. He's one of the most iconic characters in, in movie history, and he returns here in a big way. And uh, no offense to John Boyega or Daisy Ridley, who I both think are incredible in the movie, especially Daisy Ridley, um, they're, they're, they aren't Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. They have very bright futures ahead of him, and Harrison Ford is looking at not acting anymore in the next, you know, five or ten years. Uh, and if that's what it takes to get Han Solo to come back, you pay him as much as he asks for. Yeah. And, and just for, for and I, I hope this doesn't downplay the value of John Boyega or... Or, or Daisy Ridley, because I think they're worth more than that amount they've been paid too, but uh, they're just they're just not Harrison Ford. They, yeah. they 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 should be honored to have gotten the opportunity, and they will certainly be getting way more opportunities. They're going to be stars. They're going to be famous. Yeah, and to me, this this kind of shows two things. One is that you can put Harrison, you could make a movie about anything, put Harrison Ford's name on it, and you'll get at least somewhat of a response just off of name recognition alone. That and also he probably negotiated a heck of a lot better, and from my understanding, he did not want to do this project, at least from the, what they said initially. Right. So this is just negotiation. But um, he's sort of infamous for not liking to do. He doesn't like to sign contracts that obligate him to do sequels, which is kind of weird, seeing as he's known as kind of a franchise actor with mm -hmm. Star Wars and Indiana Jones. But yeah, he he originally wasn't too hot on being with this, but I think he's pretty happy he was involved here. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley will receive much more than, than that amount for the sequels. That's usually how it goes with the chains. But yeah. on uh, to the um, other pay issue that came out, Forbes magazine reported that Johnny Depp is the most overpaid actor in film. And he earned um, just $1.20, or his films earned, sorry, $1.20 per $1 that he was paid, which is absolutely horrible. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that that's he's worth it in that case. But. He's just had been in so many flops in the last five years. He made a big comeback with Black Mass in terms of, you know, the movie made more than its budget, but he was also, it was the first movie he's made in a while where people said, he's good in this. Mm -hmm. And he's just a confusing actor to me because he's always in these, it's so rare to see him make a good choice in terms of artistically what he wants to make. So I can believe it, especially if he's in a movie like Mordecai. Yeah, Nobody that, that to that. me was, I didn't really understand that. Um, that was a flop. He received $12 million. I think it earned um, 
47.3 on like a $60 million budget, so they lost money. I mean, all that money, almost, uh, think of how much of that budget went to him. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So I think, I hope he turns around, because I've always liked Johnny Depp, but it's hard to defend him when he's doing movies like, what was the one he was in last year? Um, trans something. It was a really bad science fiction movie. Mm hmm and then, yeah, Mordecai. I liked Black... I mean, the movie Black Mass was just okay, but he was really good in it. Yeah. I thought so, at least. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the most overpaid. And it was a pretty... I think the next one down, I don't remember who it was, but it was, like, the film earned $3 per every $1 they were paid, so... But I think that's mostly uh, Mordecai and, and Black Mass he obviously got paid very yeah. heavily for. But um, we, we've talked a lot on this show about trailer lust, or at least I have. Um, so, in uh, basically... They went out and had a vote for um, what people thought were their top ten or most favorite trailers. Um, so do you, do you want me to run down the list then? Sure. Um, we had with tenth Suicide Squad, ninth was Queen of Earth. Um, there was Magic Mike XXL, The Witch, Dope, Steve Jobs, Hail Caesar. Good night, mommy, and of course the the most watched trailer I think out there this year, which was Star Wars Episode Seven, which we were just just reviewed. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely a science I think between films being popular and then. Is there though? I mean, look at this list. Good night, mommy was a tiny Australian horror movie that mm -hmm. hardly I saw that and I thought it was good. Steve Jobs was a massive flop. Mm -hmm. Dope, hardly anybody saw. The Witch hasn't even been released yet, at least wide. I guess Magic Mike was a major release. Queen of Earth, I mean, that's on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I like that movie a lot. If anybody hasn't seen Queen of Earth, check that out. And then Suicide Squad isn't out either. So yeah, Star Wars won number one. I would guess that's number one by a pretty big margin, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just so interesting to me to see Goodnight Mommy so high up on this list just because it, it seems like a movie not a lot of people are int we're interested in seeing. It's available to see now. You could get it on demand or whatever. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was uh, advertising and featuring too. I mean, I don't I don't know if that was something that went into it, but but yeah, trailer <clears throat> trailers. There's definitely uh, quite a bit of trailer trailer lust going on right now with a lot of big films coming out. It's always fun to see how people react to. Uh, to big movie trailers and they get millions of views and people a lot some people write off the movie as complete crap without having seen it and yeah i just hate when trailers give away the whole story that drives me nuts well yeah i mean a trailer it's an it's an advertisement right yeah. it's supposed to make something look good but when people are like yes or no to a film from a trailer it's like that doesn't really you can't judge two minutes of edited footage you know right Onto it. But um, on to our weekly segment, By the Numbers, um, looking at the box office scores um, as they happened in this past week. Um, for the last two weeks, of course, the Star Wars uh, Episode Seven has absolutely dominated uh, this past week. A little bit down from last week, just under $150 million. So it's total as of now. Um, U.S. gross was 540 million. Worldwide is 1.12 billion. I think that was they hit 1 billion in their, I think it was 12, 12 days, which is a record. I mean, it's pretty much all records at this point. It broke the weekend record, so I was wrong about that. I, I was a little uh, skeptical about a winter release uh, if it would really make that much, but I started to doubt myself in the week or two before it came out, mm -hmm. and it smashed all records. It did. I think the only I was looking at it, the only record it didn't break is like highest gross on a Wednesday and a Tuesday or something like that. Because I know it broke the Monday record. 
And I think yeah. it broke the Christmas Day record. Yep. Which is just bonkers. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's just shattering record. And we were talking off air. Really surprised to see Daddy's Home. It's the second highest grossing film at thirty eight million seven hundred. Yeah, people like uh, Will Ferrell. I think. Uh, I'd like to see this too. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan, but I like Mark Wahlberg, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's not every. I mean, you know, it's so much fun. It's so easy to talk about Star Wars because it's the movie right now. But not everybody cares about Star Wars. That's true. I mean, and that's a good alternative pe for people who like. Just, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but dumb comedy. It's just something to go and kind of laugh at and enjoy. And that looks, it looks like the perfect movie for that. So, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. So number three this week was uh, the movie Joy featuring Jennifer Lawrence with um, 17 million. Yep. Directed. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I have just no interest in seeing this movie. It's directed yeah. by David O. Russell. We've talked about this. I don't know. You know. It's been gradually increasing the number of theaters it's in. There's some Oscar buzz with it. I haven't heard super great things about it. I don't know. Yeah. People, just... people like Jennifer Lawrence, but I think she's also kind of getting oversaturated. I like Jennifer Lawrence. I just... This movie just doesn't look interested. I'm not interested in seeing a movie about the girl or woman who invented the miracle mop. Doesn't seem interesting to me. That's what it's about? <laughs> That's what it's about. I've heard it's pretty entertaining and funny and everything. I just... I don't know. I'll see it just because I'm a I'm a sucker and I watch everything. Yeah. But uh, number four then was the uh, comedy Sisters, which dropped to fourth um, with 14 million. Tina Fey and... Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Yep. And it's hard to compete because they're now competing with Daddy's Home. Right. So that'll drop off. And number five, um, a movie I don't know if I'll ever see, but uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip from Fox. Uh, <laughs> It's like it's like the fourth movie in that series. Uh, you know, it's you know, I, I, maybe it's a, a a decent this time of year if your kids are too young to see Star Wars or some R-rated comedy. You take them to see the take them to see Elvin and the Take them to see the monks. The road chip. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's that's totally a kids movie, but yeah. The uh, the big flop alert in the the top ten this week is. Point Break. Oh yeah. Which um, which is weird because they've been advertising the hell out of this the movie. The Jesus out of it, and it only produced uh, 9.8 million here in the U.S., 54 million worldwide, on a 105 million dollar budget. I mean, that's the most confusing movie to me ever. It's a remake of like an early 90s heist movie, right? With Keanu Reeves and yep. uh, the, the, and Swayze. Just it's confusing. It looked kind of like a generic action movie and. It's. I just don't think anybody's interested in seeing that. There's really no names in it. Although I do think uh, Edgar Ramirez, who's in Joy, is also in that movie. So he actually. He is. He is. But I. I just don't think there was any drive. And when are you gonna put out an action movie when there's Star Wars out? They lost their minds with that thing. Yeah, and I honestly thought it was the, um, like the pink that Pink Panther. Yeah. Okay. Jewel thing. And that's what I thought it I was when movies. I saw I like the, the Pink Panther. No, like the the gang, the Serbian gang. That like rob diamond stores and stuff like okay. that. Okay, that's what I thought it was. You about. didn't know it was a remake. Of the... I didn't. And then I then I looked back and I realized like it was. Yeah. I saw the trailer and I got all excited like, oh, it's the story of them. And then it's yeah. this, but yeah, pretty pretty big flop alert and yeah. not even in the the top ten is is uh, Spectre that's dropped out. Mocking Jay drops all the way to ninth from fourth. But that's made eight thousand hundred trillion dollars. Yeah, tons of it. And the Hateful Eight in only one hundred theaters has already produced four point six million. Well, that's a lot, though, yeah. for being in that few theaters. That, that tiny little population, but... 
Um, that's the the top ten. Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Star Wars has just uh, pretty much laid the frameworks. Uh, I think it'll stay on top for a couple more weeks. How many weeks do you think it'll be number one? <sighs> well, the hate flight comes out this weekend. Um, that'll probably come in second, I would imagine, especially since there was an unfortunate online leak of that movie. Um, the Revenant comes out the weekend after, which also was leaked on the internet. Uh, however, I do think there's a lot of people who would like to see movies like that in theater. I, I would say at least two more weeks Star Wars will be number one. Mm -hmm. But hey, who knows? It's already certainly made all of its money, but it had a pretty small second week drop and people are going to see it three four times i mean i've seen it twice i'm going to see it at least one more time in theaters i mm -hmm. loved it so yeah so yeah and um we'll see what the the next one is but um last weekend actually which we didn't do a show but that was actually uh the most um money that was spent in the movie theater since i believe it was 2013 wow which is pretty incredible but um what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to review the album by Baroness uh, Purple. Weekly Nose, we'll be right back. Welcome back in. Hope you've been enjoying the music. It's time for the album of the week, Purple by Baroness. Ethan, tell us about Baroness and this album. Okay, so Baroness, uh, kind of, maybe this makes it sound like we only listen to metal music, but uh, we don't. We'll talk more about different genres in the future. But this is just an album we've really been anticipating. Uh, so Baroness is an American heavy metal band. Uh, that falls on perhaps the lighter side of metal and combines different elements such as sludge metal, alternative metal, hard rock, psychedelic rock, and progressive metal into their sound. Uh, the band was formed in 2003 and are known for naming each of their albums after a color. Their first was, I believe, red, their second blue, and then before this one, which is purple, they released a double album that was... I think it was yellow and green. Yes, yellow and green. So yes, uh, Purple is the fourth studio album by this group. Um, this moves a little bit uh, more towards the psychedelic slow-paced sounds of the group. Uh, they were a much more heavy, brutal band when they started and they've been uh, experimenting with different sounds uh, with each release. Uh, and this was just released a few weeks ago. This album was highly anticipated and uh, Baroness continues to gain popularity in metal and hard rock scenes everywhere. Uh, I was lucky to see them in concert in 2010, right when they were first kind of poking their heads out, and uh, they were great. Been waiting for this album. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was good. It's not, it's way different for them. I it thought I, it took that kind of, that psychedelic turn. 
Uh, but I thought they did a good job. Uh, there were sections of it I thought that were a little bit overproduced. Okay. Um, but but overall, I thought this was a really solid effort. Uh, definitely an anticipated album. They they released singles, which is kind of different for them. But mm-hmm. um, overall, I thought this was a pretty solid effort. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, I, I I like this better than their last album, but I don't like it as much as their first two. Uh, their last album was actually even more psychedelic and kind of quiet than this one. But overall, I do like this better than their latest one, but again, not quite as much as their first two. I like the the more uh, kind of natural blend of psychedelic sounds into the, the hard rock with the heady jams. This is a surprisingly melodic album. Yeah, yeah uh, that's one thing that, that really got me. And right. I mean, it flows pretty well. Yeah. It's from song to song. It, it kind of flowed, flowed well. But it was still, I mean, it's still heavy for, for the most part. Pretty much every song except for one or two is still very much a metal song. Um, but it takes plenty of breaks. And I actually think some of these songs would make pretty decent radio singles that would actually maybe be pretty popular with people. And uh, I think some people who hear this as their first Baroness album would be surprised to hear Red or Blue, which are more heavy. They're more of that kind of Mastodon-oriented metal sludgy sound while this is... A lot more kind of colorful and uh, vibrant. Yeah, well, that's a good way to describe it. Um, let's see what I had for uh, kerosene, which was like mm. the fourth. That was I liked that a lot. Um, and then f- f- fugue. It was the. Was I think the it's one? fugue. Fugue. That was like a really good intermission. It was kind of like they. I think that was for them kind of the midway point of the album. Mm-hmm. And um, chlorine and wine was one of their single releases. I liked that. Sure. Um, but yeah, Iron Bell tried to disappear. There were segments of that that I thought was just, they just did too much. Okay. Um, yeah, any, any songs stand out to you? Yeah, uh, well, Kerosene, you mentioned, that's definitely my favorite track. It has my, my favorite chorus on the album, and it's been, been, it's been excuse me, getting stuck in my head quite a bit. It's, it's one of the more upbeat songs on the album, I think, and it's just very exciting. And like a lot of the songs in here, it's grand, it sounds big. Uh, you also mentioned Chlorine and Wine. I actually think that this song reminded me a lot, actually a couple songs in here, this one and Fugue, both reminded me of Pink Floyd quite a bit. There's even a guitar riff, I believe it's in Chlorine and Wine, that sounded like the Pink Floyd song, Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Just a little section of it, and that was kind of cool. I don't know if that was an homage or what, but uh, again, Chlorine and Wine, a very complete song, which is a consistent thing on this album, where Every song in here is really well written, I think. Mm-hmm. Every song on it is satisfying, even the instrumental tracks, which I think is a big step up from their last album, which was a little bit more kind of washy and, and being a little bit more heady and not necessarily having complete song uh, sounds instead of just uh, this one where they make it full songs that it flows as a, as a full album. And it's a lot mm-hmm. shorter than their last album, too. And they did a good job because they don't have the most... You know, you, with metal, you don't expect, like, great vocals always, but their vocalist, I mean, they it meshes well with what they're doing. Yeah. And I thought it, if they made it fit really well, which is not easy to do with him, because he's got a really... Right. Ho- I don't know if, like, horse is the right word, but just a really, like, aggressive, out there kind of way that it's he sings. It's kind of... The way I, I think of his... Their, the vocals for Baroness as being kind of monotone, and they're kind of, like, shouting... It's like a shout sing, yeah. kind of. It's not a scream, certainly. And it's easier to understand him than it is a lot of other metal vocalists. But it's almost like it's more of just kind of like a, a, a guttural sh- singing mm-hmm. uh, that seems like they... I don't know if they overdub the uh, the harmonies, but they even harmonize sometimes, which is really bizarre. 
uh, to hear in music like this. But I really like, yeah, the vocals really make them stand out, I think, yeah. as a band. And that's what makes them unique. And um, oh, I mean, overall, this was this is a good album. I mm. think there's a few spots here and there that weren't didn't sound quite right to me. But if you had to rate this from like 1 to 10, what would you rate it in at? I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Because I do think while all the songs are great, I appreciate the, all the sounds they're blending here. It, it, they, I don't think they've quite nailed the blend of the sounds yet. Some of it comes across as a little bit dull to me. And, and some of the songs do, I mean, some of the songs uh, do the same thing on them, I suppose, where there's not a ton of variety between them. But overall, it's awesome. I yeah. like the, that it's shorter than the, their last album. All the songs here are great, and it's actually pretty catchy and melodic, but it's still heavy enough that I feel comfortable calling it metal. Yeah. I mean, I was in there, too. I gave it a 7.4 out of 10. I thought that, like you said, it was, to me, I think there were some parts that were overproduced, and it did get kind of, like... Mm -hmm boring at, at spots. I know it's, a, it's like a nine track album, so there's not right. a lot of space to do that, but overall it's good. I would encourage people to listen to it. If you don't even like metal or if you're, mm -hmm. you're interested in listening to it, I'd give this a shot because this is really digestible. Absolutely. This would be a great starting point for, for people who maybe like uh, more traditional metal sounds to try to get into more modern stuff. Sort of like what I said with, with Mastodon's album Leviathan. Even more so here, this would be a cool place to kind of put your feet in the water because it's a really it's a unique album while it isn't always perfect it is really really good yeah and i thought the uh vinyl you got was was awesome with the purple album and right their, their cover art's awesome yes and that's albums. one thing if if anything look up this band's cover art uh, but be aware that it is not safe for work there's some nudity yeah, there's it, some it's it's ta it's tasteful though i'll say it's there they have very colorful artwork with lots of figures on them who may or may not be topless uh, in some instances. But yeah, I actually got the vinyl of this um, and it's a, just a gorgeous purple pressing on this nice purple translucent vinyl. And it's got the liner notes with all the lyrics and this beautiful artwork and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. But um, so that is uh, Purple by Baroness. The other big kind of music item is once again, and we've talked on it before, the Beatles have done a good job throughout history of staying relevant and staying very much in the the center of the the game but i uh, was announced by bbc last week that they are now going to be on uh, several different streaming sites um, apple music which you and i use mm -hmm. um, also google play title and uh, amazon prime are among nine providers that they signed um, from what i understand it's a total of 224 songs in the original 13 studio album so is that all their content or is there more I mean, all 13 of their albums, that should be everything. There may be some singles here and there, but I'm pretty sure everything is available. Yeah. But they, um, I think we, we had kind of talked about it. What well, didn't get as much press, but even still, they're finding a way to be in the headlines, whereas other bands have kind of drifted into Never Never Land. Yeah, and I just read, it was either earlier today or yesterday, that uh, Spotify is already saying that they're setting records in terms of how many people are listening. Um to this that is just as a couple of days ago been uplo uploaded um, to stream. I think it's great. Um, I had mentioned off air before that, yeah, they're, they're a group that they re-released their entire discography a couple of years ago um, as kind of a premium package. And after people stopped buying that, they said, hey, we, we got to move on to the next medium. So here it is. And I think there will be hopefully a lot of people uh, who haven't really listened to the Beatles a whole lot finally check them out because they are one of the greatest bands ever. Yeah, I plan on doing it. I honestly have not listened to them a whole lot. Oh, I went oh, through a yeah. Beatles <laughs> stage in high school. 
it's like all I listen to for about a year and I still to this day I mean it's when I when in doubt I either listen to the Beatles or Bob Dylan mm -hmm. so having even a little bit easier access to their music is great yeah and the fact that both Bob Dylan and the Beatles are still relevant after all this time is is quite amazing yeah um the next thing we, we kind of had was was Courtney Barnett. We've been talking about her quite a bit. She made headlines. Obviously, she's a recent uh, nominee for Best New Artist uh, at the upcoming Grammys. Right. Um, we obviously big time endorsed that. I loved her album. Um, but she kind of uh, made some comments that offset people. Um, she kind of started by saying when she was getting interviewed by Billboard, it seemed a little bit far-fetched in her mind that she had got nominated. Uh, but then she um, went on when she was asked about her fellow nominees to say, yeah, I don't know who they are. I listen to music when my friends recommend it to me. I don't often just go out and buy a record because it was in a magazine or it was on, on the list or something like that. So, yeah, I probably won't listen to them. I feel there's so much music in the world that I haven't listened to yet that I want to listen to. That was the whole quote. But most of the <laughs> things were had were, yeah, I don't know who they are. But if you're in that realm, can you blame her? No, I mean, that's, I think it would be easy to scoff at this quote and be like, oh, she, she thinks she's better than us, but she isn't saying that. I don't, I just no, think that she, she's doing the exact opposite than, you know, what most people do for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. She's making her own minds up about what she wants to listen to and everything. And if, if one of her fellow nominees were one of those, I'm sure she would listen to him. But yeah, I, that's fine. I mean, it maybe comes across as a little, a little snobbish, especially since you are getting all this attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I didn't, it didn't kind of read that. When I read the first quote, I was like, oh, what are you doing? But then I read the whole quote, and it kind of, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem so bad to me. And, and I think she's in such an artistic realm that she's not like you or I, where we consume this huge amount of music. She has to worry about making her own music and also yeah. being in this community. So um, be very interesting, though, to see kind of what life is like for her after the Grammys. Yep. And, you know, whether win or lose, I doubt she really cares about that. I'm just happy to see uh, a name like hers show up in something as big as, as the Grammys. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we've mentioned it before, but her album, sometimes I s sit and think, sometimes I just sit. It's fantastic. It's a great album, uh, and you should definitely check it out. She's kind of a rock and roll, kind of grunge-sounding musician. She's got a very thick British accent. Uh, that comes through in the vocals, very high energy, great lyrics. I love her. She's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, why don't we wrap it up today with obsessions. Ethan, what are you obsessed about right now? Well, real simple. This week I'm obsessed with my new office chair. Okay, so two years, <laughs> I've been working at my job for two years, and about a year before that, my she was my girlfriend at the time, but now my wife, April, she told me when I got my first office job she was gonna buy me a nice office chair and she never did and I we were out to eat the other weekend <laughs> and I kind of reminded her that when we drove by office max or, or home D I don't remember it was some office supply store and she was like we'll pull in there so we pulled in and we I sat in all the different chairs and she totally bought me one on the spot no way yeah we and we put it in my vehicle and drove it back and I had this kind of small bungee cord little chair but now I got this huge you know, leather thing that it's, it, it's got like lumbar support and stuff and it's the best nice. and it makes my, my, my home office room record movie area just so much more <laughs> enjoyable. There's a lot going on in that room, that's for sure. It's great. Yeah. Well, as far as I go, obsession this week again is sound. This time in my home, I have a 
built-in stereo system. I don't even know if it's a stereo system necessarily, but it's uh, it's connected to a. It's just how old it is. A tape player that's in my wall. Like a what? this person had a wall-mounted tape player built in their house. Tape player from '93. What's a tape? What's a tape? I didn't even. But um, yeah, just trying to work. So we're planning on getting that replaced, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about it. I've been looking at speakers. Should I do it myself? Should I hire someone? Could I do it myself? Well, and just... I feel like you could just install a Bluetooth receiver into that. Since this place is already rigged with speakers, mm -hmm. you know, just put a, you know, fancy uh, Bluetooth thing on there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just drop it up there, boom, and then it works. Well, yeah, that's what I've been uh, been obsessed with. But um, once again, you can connect with us though through all the mediums. Yeah, keep up uh, Twitter, Instagram at Weekly Neurosis. Search us on. Search for us on Facebook, Weekly Neurosis. Uh, we like to post updates on what we'll be listening to or watching for the next week. Uh, earlier today, I put some pictures up uh, from our little uh, recording area here so you can kind of see things in action, and we're going to do more stuff like that. But uh, I know with, with the albums especially, if, if you like to hear it before we talk about it, or with movies if possible, that's a good way to know, like, oh, hey, they're going to talk about this next week. I'd like to see that. Or whatever. So yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Weekly Neurosis, everywhere, SoundCloud as well. And yeah, actually the the thing that I did was I downloaded Layout for Instagram. Okay. Very convenient, very easy. Check it out for making like montage photos. Oh yeah, I used that once. I yeah. think I have it on my phone, but I'm I've pretty used... sure I'm only gonna use it for the show because it's so perfect. You can do the three with the movie, uh -huh, yeah. album, beer. And usually movie posters are long. Then albums are square and beer, pictures of beer. Speaking of that, I'm right now holding the beer in my hand and taking a picture of it. And Nate's in the back being dumb. And you're going to hear us talk about it and then see the picture. Whoa. It's like a space continuum. <laughs> All right. Well, Weekly Neurosis Anticipation is done. Again, I'm going to be still anticipating drinking this beer and feeling better. Yeah. And everything. But we had a blast. Hope you did too. Uh, again, look us up. Interact with us. We'll talk to you soon and see you soon.